Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Kitchen Club with me, Serena Louth, and my lovely friend, Sarah Malcolm. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table. Each week brings a new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe, this time created with our guests' three favorite ingredients that are in their kitchen right now. We also ask our guests to share their healthy habit, which is something that enhances their well-being, and we dive a little deeper into that. This week, we are speaking to the lovely Anna Greenland. Anna is a vegetable gardener and cook at the heart of the organic growing movement. For the last decade, she's been growing for top chefs such as Raymond Blanc, Tom Aikens, and Jamie Oliver, and is now head gardener at Soho Farmhouse. She is on a crusade to engage more people with Grow Your Own and shares her passion for herbs, organic growing and cooking through classes, collaborations and social media. Anna's three favourite ingredients were mint, broad beans and olive oil. And I think the recipe this week is just lovely that many people can enjoy. We're also big fans of Anna's Healthy Habit, which we are going to be giving a go straight after the show. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's Anna Greenland on the Kitchen Club. Hi, Anna. Hi. Welcome to Kitchen Club. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you because Serena and I particularly, well, I say this, and I think probably most of the UK are have got green fingers lately. So yeah. you are just the perfect guest to have on when we all need some wisdom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the nation is 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 taken to their gardens. It's uh, it's amazing. They have, haven't they? Yeah, um, we Serena and I probably update each other quite regularly on our garden state. Well, my balcony, Serena's lovely. It's all garden. we talk about now. <laughs> yes, my what dad is you... so excited because he like brought me up to try and be so interested in the garden. I was like, don't care, don't care. Now I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, I mean, I was never interested. My parents were gardeners, and I was completely disinterested for a big chunk of my life. I mean, I think 
it was there kind of latently lying in wait for me but um yeah I remember going to my mum and dad's allotment when I was a teenager and just being completely disinterested and not laying a finger (laughs) so yeah it's funny how it it comes comes around but I think then you know when you have a space like you said Sarah have you got a balcony that you're using yeah um when you suddenly sort of have your own little space to play with then um yeah yeah it's like ownership isn't it exactly exactly yeah what have you got Serena have you got a a garden we have got a garden which was at the beginning of lockdown a total shambles with a rotten shed and we have totally cleared it and planted veg and plants and grown a whole lawn so I'm I'm well on the gardening hype at the moment oh that's brilliant (laughs) and you've got your blue wall and we've got a lovely blue wall at the back. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally obsessed now. It's really, really satisfying to watch things grow. And we ate our first salad this week, which oh, is so wow. cool. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, So really loving it. So I'm particularly excited to chat to you today. Good, good. Well, I hope I can, I hope I can offer some, some little gems. I think, oh, you know, yeah. the, the nice thing is that, you know, no matter how smaller space you've got you you know there are still lots of options with what you can grow um that's something we're going to ask you about yeah yeah absolutely I feel like I don't want to do the podcast recording though I just want to do like a garden consultation with you for the next hour (laughs) do you know what it's so funny how many friends I haven't spoken to for so long are coming out of the woodwork with all their like their gardening questions um you know it's just it's a funny one the whole gardening thing because it's so specific like you know it's very difficult to give people you know on Instagram for example you do a post and I don't know maybe if it's a cookery post or something you can kind of quote the recipe or but with gardening there's so many intricacies and so Mm. many possibilities and variables and I mean I've been spending hours and hours every day just sort of getting back to people on their on their kind of questions which is pretty epic and it's brilliant that you know people are engaged and I've really noticed my you know my following on Instagram has has jumped up massively in lockdown um you know it's like doubled hasn't it yeah doubled it's crazy um which is so you know fantastic um to know that so many people are interested but yeah it is mammoth kind of going through people's questions because you know and and it's it's people sending me photographs of sort of like a blurry withered plant and I'm trying to decipher what it is sort of through the through the screen so yeah it's tricky um and I think um yeah it, it it it's it's hard to kind of offer advice when you're not there in person um but yeah it's it's good it's good that people are are hungry for information shall we start off by talking about your three favorite ingredients yes let's do it yeah what were they um so I chose well olive oil which I I expect probably quite a lot of people fall fall back on or no one's chosen olive oil have they they're not No, but but I think it's an obvious choice. Mm. Yeah, I was just trying to think of, you know, things that, well, I tried to pick something seasonal, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, the broad beans, um, which I can talk about in a second. But yeah, the and and then the olive oil is just such a staple that I use all the time. So whether it's um, 
you know, mainly just having like a good oil to drizzle over salads mm. and finish things off with. But I just find myself kind of pouring it on vegetables and things like that. So, um, yeah, more of a sort of finishing, finishing off oil um, probably than like frying Curry, anything in yeah. it. But although I, I mean, I never know about what you hear, like don't, you know, don't use olive oil for sort of cooking and, and heating. And I don't know if you guys know about that. I'm, I'm never sure. And no, uh, I'm not I feel either. like the Italians have been using it for generations, you know, to cook everything in. Yeah. So, um, I know. still use it. I don't like coconut oil in savory things. No. I think it tastes weird. No, I agree. So I'm with you. Olive oil all the way. Mm, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I do a lot of pestos, um, Mm. you know, make a lot of herb, whatever it is. They're not just basil, you know, it could be parsley, rosemary, whatever. So I do that a lot. Um, So I find that the the oil, you know, I use oil a lot in that context Mm. um, for making pestos. So I'd struggle. I'd really struggle without my olive oil, definitely. Um, and then you can, you know, you can also use it because I do a few um, sort of, I dabble a little bit in home remedies and things. So you can infuse herbs into oil for for um, making balms or um, skin balms, things like that. So yeah, it's quite a, a, a useful product for me. Um, although, yeah, I think, you know, there's kind of scary things happening in in Italy with various diseases and things in in a lot of with olive, the olive groves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, again, I don't know going forwards um, how plentiful it will be. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Anyway, for now, <laughs> for now, it's olive oil. Um, and then I had broad beans, didn't I? Which. Yes. Um, I just sort of, I think June, June's a tricky time in the garden because you'd think that it would be really abundant. Um, and obviously, um, as you're saying, Serena, things like salads are, are coming through, but um, it's almost like a little bit of a, you know, it's a time when the winter stuff's all finished, the summer stuff hasn't all really got going and ramped up. And, and so broad beans are a really good thing to look forward to in June um and the flowers are edible as well the bean flowers um on broad bean plants so you can get red flowered broad beans which are really beautiful oh, wow. um you can eat the tops out of the broad bean plants so the sort of the tips of the plant um and almost sort of steam them um and they've got that lovely really intense bean bean flavor to them so you get quite a few different things from one plant um and if you grow your own because that's the other thing I think with broad beans you know you get them um sort of somewhere where you've bought them and they might be quite big and a bit leathery but if you can get them young um then you don't have to double because I think there's quite a lot of faffing around sometimes you have to pod them and then take the outer skin off mm. and it all gets a bit faffy so if you grow your own, you get that luxury of having them nice and fresh and and small. Um, I guess not something probably to grow on a balcony necessarily, or you know they do take up a bit more space. Um, but um, but yeah, if you do have a small garden, then I'd, I'd always sort of say grow some beans, and you can sow them in in the autumn or in the spring. Um, so the autumn sown ones would come on a little bit quicker, a little bit earlier. Um, so yeah they're they're just something I sort of associate with this time of year and they're lovely fresh so Serena do you want to say what the recipe is wait third ingredient oh Oh, yes third ingredient (laughs) (laughs) well well, I can't remember what it was now I'm I'm sipping on it right now 
Oh, mint. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, good old mint. Yeah. Again, um, I think, yeah, I had to include a herb because I think they just play a big part in my life. I've got a herb, you know, a little herb garden. I've always had my herbs wherever I've been. I think they were the first thing that I started growing years ago, um, just in little pots. And and my herbs have sort of moved around with me from Cornwall to back to my mum and dad, sort of, you know, interim periods when I've been, you know, going back home or going on to other places where I couldn't take them. And then they came to Oxford, they've now they're in Suffolk so yeah they've, they're well traveled a little bit. um maybe not the original plant but I've sort of take taken cuttings and you know grown them on so um I love that sort of yeah I, I love the way that plants can have that sort of history and, and story that goes along with them mm. um, or connect you to people or to the past I've got a, a a few plants of my grandmother's that one, I think the cactus belonged to her mother. So, I mean, it's, it's wow. how old that, that would be. And it's obviously had little babies and then they've kind of, um, so yeah, there's a lot of um, attachment in that sense. To how lovely plants. is that? I've, I've recently said to my dad, when I move house, can I take all of my plants with me? Like, do you dig up your garden and take the plants? And he was like, yeah, you can do. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll do that forever. <laughs> Yeah. Bass actually yeah. said the same thing to me the other day. <laughs> yeah. He was like, and if we plant that in a pot, then when we leave, we just take it with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. Well, I I did that when I left Oxford. I had to sort of agree with the people that were coming in that, um, you know, I was going to, because they were saying, oh, it's such a lovely garden. And I said, well, I'm probably going to take quite all the herbs, you know, along with me because they've got a lot of sentimental value. Yeah. Uh, and why not? Like you've put so much love and time and yeah and care into it and watched them grow. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. And then I, mean, I suppose the flip side of that is it is sometimes nice to, you know, I was thinking that because we were planting some trees um in our garden um recently and yeah normally I would do things in pots and things because you know I'd want to be able to move them and take them but then there is something nice about knowing that that tree that you're planting in the ground is going to be enjoyed beyond Mm. your time almost you know that people in maybe 50 I think we planted a mulberry tree which you know takes a long time Mm. to to get big and you know thinking that maybe you know Bonnie my daughter's children might be you know picking from it years to come or or even if you know even if we move that the other people will enjoy it as a nice yeah we're going wildly off topic but I also know sorry it's so fine my my parents also like to buy um small trees when people have babies or children and then they can like watch their tree grow up as their child grows up that's so nice that is nice (laughs) I'm stealing that idea yeah isn't it lovely (laughs) Serena tell us what you made then back on track we I'm I really laughed when I was doing the recipe because I was picturing you sitting in some beautiful garden podding broad beans and I pulled the bag out the freezer (laughs) because (laughs) where I live I just couldn't get hold of any fresh ones and I'm, I'm gonna make it my mission to do it because my boyfriend hates them and I know that that's the way to make him like them yeah so yeah. we made sourdough crostini with crushed butter beans with mint and feta and lots of delicious olive oil and lemon oh. zest. Yum. Wow, that sounds so good. So, That's right up my street. Good. Ordinarily, we would have cooked for you, but obviously we can't. So we are going to send you the recipe and promise you that when we can meet in person, we will cook for you. 
thank you that sounds <laughs> wonderful that's something to look forward to but yeah that sounds, that sounds delicious Anna we would love to know um a little bit of history about about you and how you got to be where you are today in your lovely garden in Suffolk and your journey into growing and gardening okay um so winding the clock back um everyone thinks everyone people that ask me this think that maybe I sort of had this calling to be a gardener and that I trained you know at Kew Gardens and was you know taking it all very seriously from a young age but actually what happened was I met a, a guy met a boy and sort of was living in London and, and proper you know living the city not city as in like city life but just yeah an urban girl um and then met this guy and he was like a surfer dude from Cornwall and just fell madly in love and moved down to Cornwall without any kind of um idea of what I was going to do much to the horror of my my friends and my parents and um but it was the best thing I ever did and and we rented this little cottage um it was sort of on the north coast of Cornwall um and it had a greenhouse I mean it was all quite dilapidated and damp and um but I thought it was all very romantic back in the day Mm. um and it had yeah it was on a farm um and it had you know big sort of amount of land well, the farm had a lot of land that they just weren't using for stuff. So um, I'd started sort of dabbling in the greenhouse and just growing a few things. And then um, at the same time, got a job at Jamie Oliver's restaurant, 15 Cornwall, um, waitressing there. Um, There's a sort of stopgap, really, just not not knowing what I was going to do. Um, and they were amazing. At, you know, their whole ethos was um, local provenance and... Um, you know, supporting local growers. And I mean, it's so sad that, that that's all sort of shut down mm. now. Um, but so, so I had sort of said to them, you know, oh, I'm, I'm growing a few bits in my greenhouse and there is more land. Of, you know, I got the bug instantly. I loved it even. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't expecting to, but, but loved it. And, um, and so, yeah, I just said, you know, would you take more stuff if I could grow it? And they said, yes. Um, and so we kind of went from there and they were just really, really supportive of me. Um, and just, yeah, and allowed me to grow. I grew lots of different salads and edible flowers and I did some cut flowers for the restaurant as well. Um, and and that was sort of the beginning and I loved it. And I used to, so I used to work on this piece of land sort of during the day and then in the evening I'd drop off all the produce and then um actually my friend was saying recently she remembers me like violently scrubbing my nails in the loo um at 15 um trying to get ready for the service for the evening um so yeah it was kind of hard really hard because obviously there was not much money in it so I was kind of working day and night to sort of make it work and um, so that was the the beginnings really so it was yeah it was the sort of the Jamie Oliver um, days of you know the heydays really um, yeah. I was rifling through doing a bit of sort out the other day and I found one of the old menus um, which said I think it was like Anna's beetroot or something and just seeing that you know it was I don't know it was just a really lovely lovely thing um, oh, nice to be a part of that and 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 so and then Cornwall at that time was um, this sort of it was just I mean now there's loads of amazing restaurants but but it was the food scene was really kind of kicking off and it was quite an exciting time to to be down there and um lots of amazing producers and 
um so yeah I kind of worked with a with a local after that went on to sort of work with some local growers there in a more of a cooperative and so we would all grow different things and, and pool our resources and I learned a lot there from some older growers who you know were a bit more knowledgeable but I I then I don't know I, I sort of felt like I was winging it a lot it's funny when I look back now and I think god like that confidence of youth you know I I just kind of went for it and was just reading lots of books and trying to kind of figure it out um and but then I I sort of felt like I needed to get some more to get proper training really and, and you know know exactly what I was doing so I got a job in um a place called the Lost Gardens of Heligan I don't know if you guys are familiar with it but no um it's this it's an amazing old kitchen garden um which um at the turn of the century when all the soldiers all the staff that worked there went off to the first world war and they didn't come back sadly um and so the gardens just sort of fell into disrepair and it just became this overgrown kind of if you imagine like sort of secret garden like mm. garden with just trees growing out of greenhouses and you know old glass houses and things so really magical um and there was a huge restoration project that went on to to, to kind of restore that and so I worked in the vegetable garden there and that was that was a good proper training you know where we were learning how to do things by the book and sort of planting seeds that were like a millimeter apart down a tape measure and you know everything had to be like super accurate and like not a weed in sight and ruler straight lines of, of crops and things so that was that was a good education really and then I left Cornwall and I, I, again, I was sort of looking for more training and I, I ended up in California, which was pretty epic. Um, because there wasn't, difference. yeah, it was a big difference, <laughs> definitely. Um, and there, there just wasn't that much around in the UK at that point in terms of sustainable, organic food production. Um, they were so many, they were so, so far ahead really over there. Um, and so, yeah and so I found a course in Santa Cruz at the university there and and spent well I ended up I was supposed to go for six months and stayed for two years which um (laughs) is sort of easy to do I think when you go somewhere like that but um but again learning about how to grow food in a kind of sustainable sustainable way that was always just really important to me I don't know I, I think it just it always felt right to me to grow in that way and not to use lots of you know why use lots of chemicals and pesticides and it just didn't for someone that kind of grew up in the countryside and appreciated the natural world it just didn't ever sit well with me to, to do that so um yeah so I always sort of was drawn towards that style of growing really um do you think California was ahead of the curve in that respect with over England over the UK yeah yeah I do I mean they had like a whole like in the 60s there was a real like back to the land sort of revolution and um yeah I think they they have been ahead of us for a while with with that um I mean we're definitely definitely like making great strides here Mm. as well now but that was I think 2009 2010 something like that so in terms of actual um yeah hands-on learning it was a little bit limited really um over here um so yes that was pretty pretty good good time um and I I just I don't know I couldn't believe it I was like a kind of 
kid in a sweet shot or a rabbit in the headlights or whatever. I, I went to university in Leeds um, where it was sort of, it rained the whole time and, and, you know, it was great fun, but I went to this, I sort of rocked up at this, this campus in Santa Cruz and it was like the all American kind of dream, you know, these girls, these girls in their perfect kind of sports gear, like running around the, the track and like, wow. <laughs> you know, it just felt like you're walking into a sort of, um, into a movie and it overlooked the sea and, um, yeah, it was it was amazing so yeah and then and then came back to the UK and that's when I got a job with with Raymond Blanc who um I didn't really know much about at that point um and yeah he was incredible to work for really just such an inspiring man and and his drive and energy you know people often ask sort of how involved he was in here because he has a restaurant in Oxfordshire called Le Manoir au Cat Saison um, and it was the first ever restaurant really in the UK to champion the idea of garden to plate so you know now there's a lot of pubs and a lot of restaurants and, and a lot of places that you go to now where you can eat from the garden and mm. the chefs have a garden menu and um, but you know that was I think when he opened back in the sort of 70s late 70s maybe um it was just the the UK cruisine was not um entirely different totally different and you know now god London is just I'm so that's the only thing I well not the only thing but you know I love living in the countryside but we're so limited in London now it's just wonderful isn't it but um but yeah when he you know first kind of opened that that restaurant there was just nothing really like it and and he had always um firmly believed in you know the idea of that fresh kind of fresh produce tasting the best and um so and and he kind of introduced me to the idea of different varieties of of produce so um you know the idea that a carrot isn't just a carrot you know depending on what variety of carrot you grow and um we used to do lots of taste trials and try and find the best flavored potato or the best flavored whatever it was um so there was a lot of a lot of that going on and um yeah it was a very kind of inspiring inspiring time really um but also it's funny because I think people often think oh you know what what a great kind of vocation being a gardener you know as your job and it and it is but when you're growing for that level of of kitchen like a Michelin star kitchen it comes with a huge amount of um stress as well you know like you've got to meet the orders and and I think as a as a gardener you're so at the um, mercy of the weather and of pests and diseases and um there's all these things that can you the best laid plans you know you Mm don't know um what's going to happen and so I think that's where the level of sort of stress comes into when you're when you're growing for um a restaurant like that and you've promised you know so because because we would sort of sit down in the autumn and we'd go through the menus and you know the chefs would work with us very closely to kind of work out what what kind of menu they were going to do at what time of year. And of course there was a bit of leeway within that, depending on the, you know, what was going on, but you, you couldn't be too far out. Um, yeah. like they, the, one of their favorite dishes there was um, stuffed courgette flowers 
Um, which I think they stuff with crab meat or um, Ooh, delicious so flowers. Good. Yeah, um, but we would used to ha- we used to have to grow. I mean, literally, we had polytunnels full of them, and you wouldn't normally grow courgette and need to grow courgette undercover, but it was because we needed to protect these flowers so that they were in their best kind of condition. Um, and also bring them on quite early in the season. Um, and we would use, we used to have to meet, I think it was about 250 flowers every morning from maybe late June through till, you know, well, whenever they ran out really, um, because they needed them, you know, that amount for, for the number of covers they were doing that day. And, um, so there was, yeah, there was quite a lot of pressure to, you know, always, the chefs would always be like, when are the courgette flowers coming? When are they coming? When are they coming? And, um, did you dream like, about courgette flowers yeah. all the time? <laughs> <laughs> and actually they're really not very nice to pick. The, 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 the stems of courgettes are really spiky. Um, so we used to get big sort of scratches all up our arms and sort of the, yeah, the trials of, of vegetable gardening but Mm. um but it was great and you know I think that proximity to a rest you know having having that there where the chefs could come down and you know I it's amazing how many chefs don't know about you know what something looks like when it's growing in the ground or you know they're just so conditioned to opening a packet and yeah uh yeah and it's sort of all ready and prepped and good to go so it's an amazing education for a chef to be able to work alongside a garden and um sort of just run down you know when they need something or um I mean we did used to get a bit frustrated because they'd come down in the middle of the night and um because we weren't there in the evening so if they had evening service and they ran out of something they'd run down and start kind of hacking away at (laughs) things because they didn't know how to speak chefs yeah I know <laughs> down those chefs um but yeah that was that was great that was really great um to be a part of, of that um so yeah and then and then it was Soho House which was a whole different kettle of fish kind of all over again really because they'd never done they'd never done anything rural before you know they were sort of a a, a city company that you know private members club so mm. they then sort of decided to open Soho Farmhouse in the, in the Cotswolds and um I kind of yeah I remember them saying you know we're opening in June we want a sort of fully fully stocked fully abundant you know vegetable garden and I think that was in sort of late February and wow. it was a bit of a struggle you know it's trying to communicate you know to, to people that had never done anything like that you know that came with with different challenges but mm. you um, mean you can't just magic vegetables yeah. and herbs yeah <laughs> you don't have that power your fingers and it's, it's all there um so that was an interesting interesting one but the, the great thing about that was um the the blank canvas so I'd never had the opportunity to you know all the gardens I've worked in have been created by other people and I was running them and you know managing them but I wasn't um you know, wasn't actually involved in the creative process of of um, setting them up. So I turned up at, at Soho Farmhouse one kind of February morning and it was just a mud bath. It was pouring with rain. There was nothing. There were just like some guys in high vis and like massive kind of dumper trucks driving around. And, and I think someone said to me, oh, you know, that's your, that's your plot over there. And it was just this sort of muddy field. And 
I, I definitely questioned at that point what you know what, what have I done but um yeah it was I think um Tom Akins was the chef who was sort of on board at that point he he later kind of stepped away but um yeah I worked with him to kind of get the initial design done and what we were going to grow and get it up and running um and that was yeah that was great and you know so I felt like I had real autonomy over that space um you know it didn't because with Raymond he's just so involved and you know so passionate himself that he would dictate a lot of what we did and grew yeah. so for me to have my own kind of um a, you know my own agenda and what I wanted to grow there and so her house were really supportive of that you know they kind of just allowed me to get get on with it really so how lovely that was good um gosh yeah. Anna what what a career you've had it's well it's been incredible. random you know nothing I was talking to someone recently who was wanting to get into growing and sort of saying you know you guys might feel the same way really like you know sort of how did you do it and how so much of it has just been chance and you know just I don't know just different meetings at different times and it's never been pre meditated you know as mm. to what what comes next really um and passion I guess as well right I'm sure everyone that you've been involved with has seen your passion and and like genuine love for for plants yeah yeah I hope so I mean um definitely like I think that's the thing I, I think that's the thing with the garden is that you it almost gives back what you put in and if you nurture a space and put all your heart and soul into it and all your love into it then it starts to show and it starts to we, we found it here um we're starting a new garden project and and it was very much just a blank sort of field really and and now we've planted a hedgerow a sort of mixed native hedgerow all around it and we've put so much time into this damn hedge like it's just you know, planted it and then um oh god we didn't have any water and you know and, but all the weeds have been coming through and we've mulched it and we've we've just spent hours basically on this hedge um and but now it's like it's just greening up and the little shoots are all kind of coming through and the flowers and you can just it's like I was saying earlier about you know feeling the plants sort of soaking up the water I think you can just tell it's really happy and it's just so rewarding. And I think, yeah, you, you, if you are passionate about, I suppose it's like anything. Yeah. If you're passionate about something and you really put your time into it, then it, it hopefully gives, gives back. But yeah, of course. Um, so where would you suggest that somebody who's totally new to gardening begins I guess both for people who have a garden or I mean I know it's really broad but people who have a garden or people who just have a window box or a little balcony where where should people start because I know that it can be quite overwhelming yeah when you're totally new to it yeah yeah absolutely um this is the point at which I should be able to say oh well buy my book and like you'll be able to (laughs) that's still a a work in progress but um there's some yeah there's some great I mean there's a lot of luckily now on Instagram there's loads of sort of interesting um accounts I mean I really love um Charles Dowding um he's a, a no dig um 
gardener, which is is a sort of a, a form of style of gardening that's all quite straightforward. And you're kind of if, so if you've got a small garden, not a balcony or a windowsill, but you know a small space, I would definitely check out Charles Dowding um, as someone to sort of follow. Or um, he's got amazing resources on his website. He's got online courses, um, lots of books. So he's he's a great guy. Um, there's um, a girl called Alice Vincent who um, does a lot of balcony um, sort of gardening um, in London, um, and she's um, I think written a few books, and she's got a, you know quite an informative Instagram as well. Um, so they're they're kind of two people to to look out for. Um, but I think like gen- more generally speaking, um, reading you know for me it was like just reading lots of different books. Um, and just getting getting my hands dirty really like getting stuck in like you know get a few there's a few seed companies I really like um realseeds.co.uk um are based in Wales and they have all sorts of lovely varieties of of, of vegetables and plants um and so sort of you know starting to look through seed um websites and catalogs and things and just kind of tickling your fancy a bit you know thinking Mm. about what you what do you like to eat um and then what do you um what do you want to grow in terms of you know what can't you buy from a supermarket you know I always think maybe there's not much point um growing sort of main crop potatoes where you know I've definitely grown potatoes but I've sort of grown the earlier varieties that you know it's hard to get those fresh new potatoes tasting really good from the supermarket or fresh herbs um from a supermarket are are tricky um and herbs are something that everyone you know could potentially grow on a windowsill so um something like basil on a windowsill seems to do well um chives um parsley um so so yeah herbs is a good one either on a windowsill or in pots um but yeah thinking about um things that yeah as I say things you you like to eat but things that are are not so easy to to come by flavor wise that don't sort of transport so well from from shops um things like I don't know strawberries you can grow in pots quite easily um and um yeah leafy like salads salads Mm. are great because you just can't get that diversity of of you know you get a salad bag from a supermarket and it's you know it's not it's just incomparable to what you is you know you were saying serena you've been growing salad and so there's so many different leaves that could make up a salad um aside from just lettuce um so I'm growing things at the moment like summer purslane and French sorrel um, and um, things like agretti, which is a type of, it's a bit like samphire. Um, oh, lovely. That's really great, kind of crunchy. So you can kind of, and real seeds actually I mentioned are, are great. If you go onto there, they've got a whole sort of section, I think, on leaves and salads and some really unusual things. Um, and so... You know, and, and they're not difficult to grow in, in, in a pot or in a shallow tray, or um, but they just add something really special to, mm-hmm. to your your meal times, really. Um, and you know, it could be micro cresses or micro pea shoots or something on a windowsill um, that are, but actually that have a lot of flavour. So things like red mustard and cress, um, or some of the like pak choys, you can grow as little 
baby baby shoots um, on a windowsill and they've got a lot of nutrition a lot of flavor um my boyfriend's mum actually well parents got me a little kit of micro herbs for christmas last year and i only found them like the start of lockdown in a drawer i just been, yeah. i thought oh how lovely i'll just put those away thankfully found them and i was growing them they were so fun to grow because they grew so quickly yeah yeah that's that's it anyone who's impatient like it's a great kind of turnaround because yeah. within like two or three weeks you've got something to crop um and it's quite a fun one for kids as well because of that I think because they're just you know they're up and away really quickly um yeah. so so they're kind of like I guess things you could maybe think about growing and then just in terms of like yeah resources and where to start I would say um yeah kind of reading reading as much as you can um and um yeah and just getting stuck getting stuck in um I never thought I'd say it but I'm really into Gardener's World oh yes and Gardener's <laughs> World of course how could I forget <laughs> just loving Monty yeah. Don everything about him oh, I actually used to really love Ground Force yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> me too totally no they're great I mean yeah, where you can see the before and after is 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 awesome. Yeah, it's really um, satisfying to watch the transformation. Yeah, yeah. But I think like it's a good question because I think for, you know, sort of our generation or you know, Gardener's World is is brilliant. Um but there are, you know, I know now it again it sort of feels like a great time because there's a lot more interest from younger people in growing and and so there's more people coming through you know, whether it's on Instagram because it's a slightly more kind of modern platform now, but um, there's a lot more information available um, from people of, of our generation who, you know, it's not so, you look at Monty Don's garden and you think, blimey, you know, how am I ever going to achieve that on my balcony or whatever? So um, I think, yeah, Instagram has been quite a good platform for for seeing what people are up to, um, you know, in a more achievable kind of context almost, I would I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it, obviously at the moment we're all at home a lot. So we can spend this time planting and watching our watching our gardens grow, which is so nice. But obviously it's a year round thing. How important is it to sort of maintain that year round and not just let everything die in winter and then be like, oh, I better do my garden up again in, in summer yeah. on my balcony? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's good it is good to kind of you know push push your cropping as far as you can into winter um it's quite nice as well for you as a as a gardener you know to have a bit of downtime as well so you shouldn't feel guilty if you're not doing things you know every month of the year I think you know it gets a little bit less appealing to be outside in the depths of (laughs) sort of December and um there isn't an awful lot that kind of grows um all the way through sort of I guess you know December January February time are a little bit sparse um but if you get planting things in August um salads you know thinking particularly salad like winter salad leaves um then you should be able to keep cropping things you know through till maybe November time um and so it's it's funny because in the summer as you say you know you're you're kind of thinking summer 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 crops but it's quite important to just remember that you know Yes, I would say sort of August time through to early September, you want to be 
sewing bits for, mm. for the for the winter. So things like Asian salad mix, Asian greens, um, yeah, the mizunas, the mustards, things like that um, are quite helpful as a cooler cooler season crop. Um, Chervil is a herb. Funny enough, coriander does well in 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 more um, cooler conditions. You sort of associate it with, I don't know, it's kind of Asian cuisine and. I don't know, hot curries and things like that. And imagine it would need lots of heat, but actually coriander is much happier in the spring or the, or the autumn really. Um, so kind of cooler season herbs like chervil, coriander, and then, um, parsley as well. Um, and then, yeah, as a winter, winter lettuces, um, and Asian kind of salad greens, are, are good ones. And then things like kale, um, if you were to sow that, this month sort of going into early July again you would have a nice sort of crop going into the the winter that you could keep picking from chard is another one that in a not a really really harsh winter will go all the way through so yeah like make a little bit of space you know even like if it's a balcony just maybe a pot that you set aside for some winter winter leaves um Mm. But I think um, unless you have a greenhouse or a polytunnel or whatever, it's it's a little bit trickier in the in the UK to have a bountiful plot all year round. Um, Sarah, you need to greenhouse your balcony so that you can use it in the winter. <laughs> yeah. You go and sit out there and read your book amongst your tomatoes. <laughs> That'd yeah. be so great, actually. I'd love that. It'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm really excited you say that because I've got a bag of winter salad seeds next door in the kitchen. Excellent. Ready to go. Um, Anna, what do you think about gardening and getting outside in terms of the benefits for our mental health and our well-being? Yeah. Aside from like, obviously, it's good to be eating homegrown yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's instrumental to our, our well-being, really. Um, I think gardeners have been saying for forever you know how how good it makes them feel and um now there's been countless studies done to, to kind of back that up really um that it is such a kind of a great tool um in in supporting our mental mental health really um and I, I mean, I, I know it just from my point of view, even just from, you know, if you're working on a laptop all morning and, you know, feeling a bit fuzzy headed and, or just, yeah, not feeling, wake up and have a bad day and just not feeling, um, I don't know, I, I had a bit of a rocky week last week and I don't know. Yeah. Things go wrong. Don't they like you go down a kind of horrible social media rabbit hole or, yeah. you know, I don't know for me, like I haven't been sleeping because of the baby and yeah, you can get into some weird head spaces. And, um, but you know, I feel I am very lucky in that I can step outside into the garden and, and it is almost like an instant tonic really like just, um, and, and I, I don't think, you you know, you don't need a big garden um, or you don't need a garden even. Just having a plant um, on a windowsill and being able to look at something green um, and, and you know, if it smells nice, you know, I, I always think things like um, there's scented geraniums that you can get, um, one called Attar of Roses, which is a lovely rose-scented geranium. Um, which you just touch that and smell it and it's automatically, you know, I'm not saying it's going to cure all of your, you know, your, your troubles, but it just elevates your mood. Um, lemon verbena is another one, which another herb, which smells 
wonderful. So those kind of tactile, um, lovely smelling plants can can really help um, to kind of change your your headspace and your mood. But but yeah, I think just being able to look at something green is is just so key. And that that idea of nurturing, um, you know, if you are growing something from seed, um, you have to be so present. You know, you can't really. I think when you're when you're it's quite meditative when you're gardening you know you're sort of um whether it's pinching out your tomatoes or whatever you're doing you can really get into the the zone and you can forget all of the other crap that's going on and and just sort of focus on what what task is in hand really um so I think yeah I think it's vital and I think it's so you know I mean it's nothing new but the fact that we are such an urbanized sort of society now you know people aren't out working in the fields and they're not you know and, and I think people are missing that connection really so yeah um, yeah and for me personally whenever I put my hands in soil or just like touch earth I instantly feel grounded yeah yeah well there's something in that as well actually scientifically um I think there's they've discovered that there's a bacteria in soil um which is sort of I mean I'm not a scientist but it's it's um it links into to your your gut and you know good bacteria oh, wow. um, gut, um and you know I, and I think yeah it actually can um that obviously can affect your brain and your mood. Yeah, of course. So there, there is actually a proper connection there wow. with putting your hands into the into the soil. So, um, yeah, you're right. It does. It just makes you feel. I don't. I don't really use gloves. Um, my mum's freaking me out recently, saying, "Oh, you know, sepsis is like a real like issue, and you know, you need to be more careful." But I've never, I've never used gloves. Um, because I just love that feeling of being able to they just feel bulky and it's just yeah. nice to be able to to feel the soil and feel the plants really I'm glad you said about sniffing and touching your herbs because whenever I go out into the garden I put my whole head into my sage plant <laughs> and into yeah. my thyme because I think that my herbs smell so good and yeah. I, we were talking about it yesterday and my boyfriend was like you're so weird stop talking to the plants stop stroking <laughs> them and I'm like but look how well they're growing I love them yeah, and he's like yeah. you have lost it you've totally <laughs> lost it keep doing it keep doing it. that's another thing I keep quoting all these really vague scientific studies that I actually don't have the kind of um you know the knowledge to, to really explain it. but there is another study that was done um with plants where they're played really like they play them heavy metal music and kind of like really unkind to them basically and then the other plants are played classical music and they're stroked and they're nurtured and and the performance of those plants is is you know hugely better than the ones that have been mistreated so oh um, I love that my poor neighbors I'm gonna start singing to my plants yeah. <laughs> get some classic fm on <laughs> I've actually done that for my plants played yeah. played them classical music Brilliant. sometimes I give them reiki when they're not looking so good <laughs> yes I love it you guys are gonna have abundance <laughs> we are we are oh this is lovely um Anna should we talk about your healthy habits Yes. Yeah. We're on herbs. Can yeah. you remark, can you tell everyone what it was? Yeah, it was going out and picking a garden tea every day, um, which actually um, 
my herb I see a herbalist and she was the person that recommended this originally to me um and said that in the kind of herbal community um they talk about a garden tea um and it's basically whatever draws you on that day um to go into the pot so um you know you'd obviously need a few different options but you kind of go out with your teapot and um and you just sort of pick whatever is calling you so um again there's that funny connection with herbs where they seem to sort of appear as you need them or you know when you're looking for them it's like with our hedgerows you know in the in the autumn things like rose hips and elderberries that can support us for colds and flus and going into you know uh, into the autumn and then in the spring you get things like cleavers and nettles and things that are going to help you detoxify at that time of year so herbs have a way of of you know being our allies when we need them really and I, I think I suppose that that's what the idea behind it is is that maybe if you're feeling like you might have a bit of a sore throat or something you know maybe you'd be called towards your sage bush, bush because sage um has properties that can help to sort of soothe um when it comes to sore throats or um if you had a bit of a headache maybe rosemary would be calling you for that reason so um I actually um sort of just get a bit carried away and feel like it's kind of like my brain is just like oh maybe that one would be good and that one and that one so I end up with like a, a, a nice full pot um of lots of different things um and so but it's sort of yeah what what happens to feel good on that day and it, and I think the idea is that um you know when we buy tea I mean of course this is like yeah, I say this from a, a point of view of having a garden that I can mm. go and pick those herbs so I do understand that a lot of people won't have that um but even if you can grow in pots and you can you know grow a selection of different herbs then you know you'd still be able to do it um but I think yeah the idea being that you buy herbal tea you know I love pucker teas and I love you know lots of different herbal teas and um but you tend to buy you know a couple of boxes and then you have them every day or whatever and and you get into that sort of habit of having the same things whereas it's really good to mix up your herbs um that you that you intake um in the same way that you would you know mix up your your intake of vegetables and mm. they all offer different things they've got different nutrients different properties so the more diverse you can be in your herbal teas um the better really yes we learned this recently because we had the head of head of herbs head of herbal education from Pucker joe yes, on two yeah. weeks ago so she told us she said exactly the same really? thing. yeah oh, yeah. Cool. oh yeah oh well that's that's good if um yeah i think that's that's obviously the, the sort of thinking in the the herbal herbal world so um I love that idea so much that you're just drawn to to what you'll need do you know what's really weird as Anna was just talking about it all I was thinking about was my sage plant and then you said if you've got a sore throat and I feel like I've got a sore throat coming and all I can think about is my sage plant yes (gasps) weird well sage honey is a lovely um you know sort of thing to thing to make um Mm. obviously honey is good for soothing sore throat so you can infuse sage leaves into your honey and Mm. just have that in little spoonfuls yeah serena what did you have you made yourself a a herb herb garden tea no it's on my list for this afternoon (laughs) yeah it's funny because you know you don't think of things like rosemary sage um you know the more culinary time is another is another really good one for 
you know, coughs, colds, things like that. You know, you don't necessarily think of those herbs as herbs you'd have in tea. You just think about mint or, you know, maybe ginger or something. Yeah, I went for mint. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to be in the in the sort of flavor stakes. But I, I think what I tend to do is pick some mint, but then have the other things as well. So you still get, you know, the good flavor from mint. Um, but you also start to kind of develop maybe your palate changes slightly and the bitter. Again, it's this whole idea of, of our palates kind of developing to want sweet stuff a bit more and you know so you have something like sage and it's it's maybe a bit jarring on your taste buds because it's it's more of a bitter flavor but Mm. over time the more you start drinking them um you know the less um offensive or I I mean I don't find them offensive but you know yeah it it just you you get used to them more yeah yeah we used to make delicious thyme and honey tea when we had a sore throat because someone in France told us that that was yeah. what they did when we were on holiday. Yeah. It's yummy. And Sarah, oh. I've been making you, I've made for you for when I next see you a smudge stick with all of the herbs from the garden. <gasps> oh, that's so lovely. So that's Anna, great. I'll make you one and send it or give it to you oh. next time I see you. Oh, that's so nice. Lovely. Oh, let's do a last bonus question, Anna. What's your favorite herb? oh my goodness um oh my goodness it's so hard this I mean lemon verbena I love um through the summer months um just because it's just so intense like the the lemony sherbetty deliciousness of it um and that in a tea is is hard to beat I think um but if I had to sort of uh, yeah, thinking about like a trusty herb because lemon verbena is not around all year. Um, something that's always kind of with us is rosemary, um, mm. and I get headaches quite a lot. Um, and I think rosemary is a head, a good head herb. Um, so that in a tea works well for me. But then also, um, I, yeah, I just love the flowers when it flowers little blue flowers are beautiful um I make parsley and rosemary pesto which is really delicious um you can make it into a hair tonic um it's good for your scalp so it improves the circulation to your your scalp um so that steeped in some apple cider vinegar um can make a nice hair tonic um and it's around all year so you know even in the winter um it's there as a sort of you can get different structural like rosemary plants so you can get a a prostrate rosemary which can kind of grow over the edge of tumble over the edges of pots um you can get ginger rosemary um as a variety which is really special um so yeah I think I would struggle to not have you know it's not a herb I pick loads for cooking you know all the time because it is quite you know it is quite intense mm. um but I would find it weird to have a garden without it in I think yeah that's nice it's one of those um herbs that whenever I walk past it's probably not not very good to do but whenever I walk past I instantly smell it and I just pick some and just like yeah. rub it in my hands yeah yeah <laughs> I can't not yeah no definitely it's, it's roast potatoes with rosemary and garlic Mm, yeah. the best the best thank you so much Annie you've been absolutely wonderful oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for having me guys it's such a yeah I feel like I just want to keep talking I know I know <laughs> have a lovely day Anna 
Thank you. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming on. See you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, Anna. That was such a fascinating conversation and I'm sure it's going to be really, really enjoyed by all the people who are getting stuck into their gardens during lockdown. I've really found so much joy and and pleasure from watching things grow and getting involved with it all. So I hope if you haven't done so yet, this inspires you to get growing. Mm, I agree, Serena. It's such a nice thing that we could all enjoy. If you would like the recipe for this week's episode, it will be on our Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. And we will, of course, tag Anna and leave all of her details in the show notes. So you can find her on Instagram and on her website as well. She has lovely recipes and potions using herbs that you can use at home. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Have a fabulous week and we will be back in your ears next Monday. Bye, everyone. Bye.